0: gentlemen the Brit pack is back simon head coming to you on the morning after the night before bellator 281 taking place at wembley arena on friday night and uh, it was quite the night of fights here in the english capital i'm actually standing just outside uh wembley stadium of all places it's fa cup final day today liverpool versus chelsea it looks like the place has turned into liverpool south everywhere you can look It is just teeming with red shirts. Everybody seems to have arrived from Liverpool. They're all down here, they're ready. The sun is shining, the music's playing. Beers are being imbibed and uh, yeah, it looks like it's gonna be a hell of a day here at Wembley. Um, My work was last night, however, at Wembley Arena. Bellator 281 went down at the, the OVO Arena as it is now branded due to the sponsorship deal. And it was all about that main event. MVP, Logan Storley, for the interim Bellator World to Championship of the world. And it's kind of controversial. Um, I did not think that it would be controversial by the time the fight finished. I thought it would be close. I was suspicious that there might be a split decision because of the way the action panned out. But I was quite surprised at some of the reaction and the difference in reaction and where it came from. Here's what happened. The judges scored the fight in favour of Logan Storley via split decision. I think 48-47, Storley, 47-48 and 49-46. Logan Storley is your new interim Bellator World to weight champion. Now, am I surprised that Storley got the nod? Absolutely not. I mean, just looking at the fight as a whole, which is not what you do when you judge the fight, But he dominated the positioning of that fight for the overwhelming duration. Uh, He used his wrestling to nullify a lot of what MVP does. And as such, um, he can probably feel quite happy with his night's work. However, once you start to look into the performance and you start to look into the minutiae of what actually went on in that fight, the fight actually becomes a lot closer. Um, And... David Letherby, who is an English judge, he scored the fight uh, 48-47 for MVP. And I can see why. Let me explain. Logan Storley was relentlessly pursuing the takedown. And in each and every round, he got one. But those takedown attempts were prolonged um, and resulted pretty much in one takedown. Sometimes two when MVP attempted to get up and was put back on his backside again. But basically, we're talking one, maybe two takedowns, okay? Then the question is asked about the effectiveness of the grappling. And there wasn't any. There, wasn't, there was no advancement of position other than, I think, the third round. Was it the third round or the second round? Where uh, Storley actually postured up, managed to get some solid ground and pound off, connected with some decent elbows. It might be round two um, on MVP. That was a clear round for Logan Storley. Round three, I think, was probably the swing round in the fight because MVP was landing some shots uh, before the takedown. He was landing some shots while on his back. Um, And Storley, after the takedown, did not do very much, if anything, with his position once he got it. Now, the question then goes to the referee, Jacob uh, Montalvo, who... Did not, I don't think he stood them up at all during all of the five rounds. I think another referee, a Mike Beltran, who particularly likes to see uh, fighters pursuing a finish uh, and delivering action, I think someone like him would have stood that fight up on multiple occasions during the course of the fight. Um, but, of course, the onus is on MVP to, uh, to get himself out of that predicament. So I could see the argument on both sides from that. But here's the thing. Logan Storley used his wrestling to dominate the positioning of the fight. Did he dominate the fight in terms of the scoring criteria? I would suggest not. Effective striking and effective grappling are equally weighted um, and are taken as a whole. And you have to judge that. And that's difficult. It's apples and oranges. And the situation you had on, on Friday night was early on in the rounds, you tended to get the striking from MVP. And some of the striking was eye-catching. Some, of, a lot of the stuff that he threw was clean, landed cleanly. But there wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge amount of it, because what would eventually happen is that Logan would time his shot, aim for the takedown, and then once he's got the, once he shot for the takedown, did not let the leg go, um, and continued to pursue the takedown, even though MVP was on one knee or he was defending. You can't score MVP for defending. But other than for the takedown itself, you can't really score anything for for Logan Story either. So that's where it gets a bit tricky. So how do, you, how do you balance out Logan's wrestling and position? See, the position counts for nothing unless everything else is equal because that comes under the octagon control, right? Aggression and octagon control, cage control. That doesn't even come into it unless striking and grappling are considered to be completely dead even. Um, so, yeah, we had a situation where it's kind of, you know, what did you prefer as a judge? What, how did you weight things? Did you, did you think that Storley's wrestling and relentless pursuit of a takedown and getting one takedown outweighed the strikes that MVP landed on the fire? In the case of two of the judges, for the crucial round, which I think was probably round three... Uh, the answer was yes. And that proved to be the deciding factor. All the judges gave MVP round four. All the judges gave Logan Storley round five. I think two judges gave MVP round one. I scored it, um, I think I scored it 48-47 for Storley on the night. I would love to see it on the TV and find out how accurate my assessment of it was. But I thought, I thought MVP got rounds one and four. And I think Storley edged two, three and five. Um, but I'll tell you someone who didn't score it for Logan Storley Bellator president Scott Coker he did not seem particularly impressed to uh, to paraphrase George St-Pierre didn't seem that impressed with Logan Storley's performance Um, was quite critical of the one dimensional nature of his of his uh, of his of his performance the wrestling was solid but what else did he bring to the table for Scott Coker not enough um so, probably the best thing to do now is for you to hear from the man himself. Here's the Bellator president, Scott Coco.
1: Scott, what a tremendous night at Bellator London. Paul Daly's retirement, retired in, in the way that we all thought he would, with an absolute vicious knockout. Fabian mm-hmm. Edwards uh, cementing himself amongst the top middleweights in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then an interim title main event. What did you make of the, the whole card?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that the card really delivered. I thought that... Um there's some amazing fights. Even on the undercard, there's some great fights, great submissions, great action. And uh, I think the main card delivered. You know, the last fight, I think we kind of know it's going to be a wrestler versus a striker. And and that's exactly what we got.
1: In terms of what's next for Fabian Edwards, do you think it could be Austin Vanderford rematch?
2: Yeah, you know what? It's something that, um, you know, we're going to go back. And, and I say this all the time, but, you know, to, to make a prediction on the next uh, fight, uh, we're going to go back and take a look at the, at the the at the film and watch it and... Um, i know my guys are watching it back at home and uh, we're gonna decide maybe in the next week or so uh, what the next fights will be for fabian scott paul daly's been he's been doing this thing
0: for a few years 64 professional mma fights which Mm -hmm. is an incredible stat how much has he meant to bellator and how much or how what regard do you hold him in in terms of uk mixed martial arts and the development of the sport over here over the last decade or so i
2: mean First of all, I don't know. I don't know what that sound is. But.
0: <laughs> it wasn't me.
2: Okay, me neither. But anyway, um, you know, here's the thing. When, when I think about Paul, he's it's, it, it's such a special relationship for me because look, there's good times, there's bad times. He's a fighter. I'm a promoter. You know, it's like we're we're sometimes at odds, but you know, I I really feel like in the history of martial arts fighting MMA, he has delivered uh you know over and over and over and i have so much respect for him i went to his locker room after i said you know it's been such a pleasure promoting you over all these years to me he had one of the greatest fights in the history of mma it might be to me my favorite fight of all time and that's him and, and nick diaz fighting strike force uh, my old company uh and uh i'll never forget it that was something that I was just like wow i thought paul knocked him out i thought it was over and then you know they came back and went back and forth and I think the, it was just an amazing fight. So, to me, he had one of the greatest, if not the greatest fight in the history of MMA. And, and when you look at his career, he has just delivered from you know, time in and time out. So, you know, let's see what happens here. I was expecting him to leave his gloves in the cage. I didn't see it. You know, and my matchmaker, you know, some of our fight team saying, you know, he's already texting us trying to negotiate some deals. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, I wanted to get your view on the main event, strong wrestling performance. From
0: Logan's story, real good clash of styles. I want to get your view on on MVP. Uh, he's had a long road mm-hmm. back from the Douglas Lima fight to get this opportunity for the title. Yeah, just fell short tonight. yeah What's the road ahead for him in Bellator?
2: Yeah, you know what? I think that. Uh, listen, he knew he knew he was fighting a world class wrestler, and then honestly, it's like I think Logan has some improvement to do myself too, because you can't just lay on somebody and think you're going to win and score points because that's not MMA. That's wrestling. So to me, it's like, if you're going to wrestle, I think you have to continue the wrestling, and you have to continue to either try to submit or ground and pound or strike. I mean, the, you know, there's, there, there's a difference between, you know, what you see on the wrestling mat and what you see in the cage. So to me, all these fighters, not just, you know, what you saw tonight, but, I mean, they're at the very highest level of what they do. But they owe it to themselves. They owe it to the audience. They owe it to the fans that they have to continue and get better at the disciplines that they're not strong in, Right. And that's what I would tell Logan if he was here. Hey, you know, you're a great wrestler. Now it's time for you to become a great striker, a great submission fighter, and, and, and get your submission game together, you know. And, and, and it has to be more than just wrestle somebody. So um, that, that's, how, that's honestly how I feel.
1: Hey, Scott. Uh, I was wondering how you scored the main event. It was a split decision for Logan Storley, but I wanted to get your take on how you scored it.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought, you know, that uh, MVP won that fight. So, And, and the reason why I, f- I say that, and, and, and to me, it's like I was talking to my guys back home, And they go, look, it's close, but we think MVP won. And I said, why do you say that? And they said, because half the round, he was striking. The other half, you can't just lay on somebody. You're not doing any damage. You're not getting closer to a submission. You're not creating any threat. You're just laying on somebody. And to me, that's, that's not MMA.
1: And uh, obviously the future of Amosov is unknown and understandably. So uh, would you consider, I mean, Logan just talked about Jason Jackson being a teammate of his and, you know, he'd fight him if it comes down to that. Is that a, a viable option if Amosov isn't able to come back soon?
2: Yeah, we're going to have a big fight for, um, uh, I think, Mr. Jackson here very soon. So we'll let's see how that fight un, unfolds and unwinds. And then we'll go from there. But uh, if they have to fight, you know, this is a business, right? If you're ranked number one, you're ranked number two, This, this you know, you got to fight him, And if not... Um, I, we don't know when, um, you know, Amosov is going to come back because uh, obviously he's in the Ukraine and he's fighting in the war. It's very serious over there for him. And, uh, you know, I feel for him. It's, it's, a, it's just a bad situation. But when he's ready to come back and he wants to fight, you know, then he and Logan had a time when they'd lock horns. And so let's see if we can run that back.
3: Scott, um, obviously one of the big stories tonight is Paul Daly uh, retiring. However, he came back to his press room, and I asked him a question about what could possibly get him out of retirement. His uh, reply was, seven figures. I and already M- know the B- answer. Believe me, I already know the answer.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's something that we'll talk to Paul. If we can create something that's reasonable for everybody, then, you know, we'll, maybe we'll he'll fight again. But, uh, you know, when a fighter retires, they usually take their gloves off into the, into the cage, and they leave him there, and they have that moment, and I, I was waiting for it. I didn't see it, so maybe he has other plans.
3: Yeah, of course, it was an insane atmosphere again in London, as always, when Bellator arrives. Uh, is there any chance we're going to get another London show this year um, back here at Wembley or possibly another area of London?
2: Yeah, I think that um, that might be tough before the end of this year, but definitely maybe the beginning of next year.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, there, like you said earlier, there were some, you know, huge cu- huge fights even on the undercard. Um, probably the best one being Alfie Davis versus Tim Wilde. Uh, mm-hmm. Went to a majority draw. But it was an insanely good fight. Mm-hmm. What are the chances that we see the win bonus split between both fighters? Because as Alfie was saying earlier, he was mm. asking for it. He's got a kid coming in September. Mm-hmm. And both guys definitely definitely earned it.
2: Yeah, you know what? Um, you know, I, I don't mind having a conversation with his manager about that, but that's something that we'll, we'll handle internally. No problem.
1: Scott, uh, just one more. I wanted to ask you just kind of to reflect on Paul Day's career. I know what you're saying you're not sure if he's 100% going to hang them up, but right. just to, to reflect on his career and what he's done.
2: Like I said, he's, uh, you know, he's been a special fighter for me personally, and he's done so many, you know, had so many great matchups, and one thing about Paul that you never have to worry about is he's always going to bring his game. He's always going to bring it. He's going to, you know, fight to the end, or he's going to come out throwing punches. I mean, he's He's never out of the game, just like you saw today. I mean, he, you know, he was in a little bit of trouble getting submitted, I thought, for a couple rounds. And then, you know, boom, 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 and lights go out. So Paul Daly is never, never out of a fight. And uh, that's, I think that's what he's brought to the table for the last 15 years is that, you know, you're fighting a guy that's very skilled and uh, can weather the storm and come back and knock people out. So that's why I think people really enjoy watching his fights because you never know what's going to happen. And uh, just back to the the main event. Interesting to hear how you how you scored
0: that fight and how you saw it panning out. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that there's the potential for a rematch between these two? Do you feel that it was scored incorrectly?
2: I mean, I think that uh, listen, I don't want to be a judge. I'm just telling you, you know what? I, I was talking to my guys at home, and they, they felt the same way I felt. It's like, look, you can't you can't just lay on somebody and think that you're doing damage, right? You have to do damage. You in this sport, you have to, control is one thing, but you can't control somebody and just think that you're gonna the fight you know it's it's to me it's like you know there there's there's certain things that have to happen and and uh and just you know wrestling alone is not going to be enough so there you go scott coker doesn't think logan storley won
0: that fight interestingly i thought a lot of the american audience would think that logan storley won the fight Uh, they're much more in tune with wrestling as a discipline um and I think in a lot of cases, it's, they, the importance of wrestling is at times overstated, um, in, in my opinion, as a European. But then as a European, we probably overstate the importance of striking. So uh, it is mixed martial arts and you need to be proficient across the, across the whole gamut. It was a close fight. I think you could make an argument for forty-seven, 48-47 40, either way, and I think there's a fair debate to be had. 49:46. it starts to get a little bit tricky. Um, but there we go. Logan Storley is your interim champion. Uh, we brought him backstage, and I felt kind of bad because I had the mic to start off the, uh, the press conference. And he came in immediately after Scott Coker had finished. He was unaware of anything that Scott Coker had said to, said to us. And obviously, the big lingering thing that came off Coker's interview was... He did not think that Logan Storley won. He was not that uh, impressed with Logan's performance and said that there's a lot of improvement to be made. I had the mic first. I've got to ask the question. I've got to ask the question. So here we go. Here's Logan Storley, Bellator interim Worldweight Champion, talking to us backstage after his championship win at Bellator 281. Check it out. Logan, first off, congratulations. Hard, hard fight, hard earned victory. Um, interestingly, talking to Scott Coker, he actually scored the fight for your opponent, MVP. What's your immediate reaction to that? That's probably the first time you've heard that. So uh, what do you say to those who suggest that MVP might have done enough to win?
5: Um, what, uh, what rounds besides round four? You know, I, I get it. It was, uh, like I said, props to him. He's fast and explosive, but I won all those positions, and I took the fight where I wanted it. You know, and so if he would have wanted to keep it standing, then why didn't he? And so I won round one, two, three, and five. So, I mean, if you think that um, besides round four, clearly it was him, you know, and one, one five, and two is clearly me. So uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess people want to uh, score. You know, that's why judging is the way it is in our sport. So good for him, I guess.
3: Fighting MVP
0: is a very tricky proposition. Um, You said so in the cage, and, you know, you were getting booze. Obviously, you're in MVP's backyard, but as someone who's been in there for five rounds with him, explain to us just how tough a proposition it is to deal with someone as uniquely skilled as him and Um, how you dealt with it.
5: Yeah, you know, you watch watch his fights, and he KOs people and all these... So you have to be smart. You know, you have, to stay, you have to stay back, long hands, good defense. You can't rush in. Everybody that's rushed in on him ends up flat or a broken skull or a broken jaw. He's a dangerous guy. So, um, you know, I've been competing at the highest level for a long time with wrestling and everything else, and that's where that's where champions are made in that, those kind of fights. You find a way to win. You make it gritty. You pick your shots. You're tactical um, because he's a guy that, you know, it, the first – round it's it was kind of you know eye-opening to how fast he was and then I had to find my spots so um like I said it's it's different watching him until you get in there and have to feel that distance and um speed
1: just building on that what was it like when he was having those uh, taunting motions you know wind up his hands in front of you how difficult was it to stay focused on your game plan because obviously the idea of the taunting is to detract you and make you angry and cause a mistake within, within yourself, which obviously didn't happen. Um, so what was your mindset when th- those things were happening?
5: Yeah, um, you know, in the fourth, you know, I didn't really throw a lot there because that's when you get hit and you try to match his speed, you know. Um, so I kind of had to, you know, high guard. Daly did a good job when Daly fought him, you know, high guard. Same with Lima. They didn't throw a whole lot. Because when you try to get in a war with him, he gets out of the way and then he hits you. So, um, you know, it, like I said in the pre, you know, previous, leading up to the fight, you had to stay focused for 25 minutes. And it's a, it's a mind game out there to stay focused. He's, you know, going in between his legs, up and down, uh, making gestures with his hands. His feet are moving everywhere. Your mind, you know, fighting's a lot more detailed than, than the average person. Realize what's all going processing through your brain. In there during that fight
1: and um just in terms of you, obviously you're holding the belt on your shoulder how great does it feel to have the gold around you and obviously you want to unify the titles down the line as well
5: um yeah you know i i started wrestling at five years old um same hometown as brock lesnar you know got to win state titles um but i went to college and i came up short four years in a row you know i was a four-time all-american but i never won gold and the reason why I got into this sport was for this moment right now, and that's a lot of hard work. And, you know, I dropped to my knees. My family was there. Like, they know how much this meant to me. Um, and that's why I got into this sport was become world champ, and it happened tonight.
3: Logan, I just want to ask about how you prepare for this fight. We obviously know Michael Vennon-Page has a very different frame. Uh, there's not very many people sort of matching for frame. I think the only guy that comes to mind really is Raymond Daniels, uh, who's on the west coast of the States. Um, how are the guys at Sanford MMA MMA? So like guys like uh, Robbie Lawler, Ian Gary, Jason Jackson, uh, Gilberts, all, all the team there. How have they helped you prepare for this bout?
5: So when uh, Gilbert fought uh, Stephen Thompson, Raymond Daniels was out there. So I got to spend a little time with him even before you know I knew this. So I got to feel it a little bit. Um, Jason Jackson, good you know, good friend of mine um, in my weight class. Delano Taylor, he fights at PFL. He's long, athletic. Ian Gary, um, good friend of mine at Sanford. All those guys are kind of long, rangy, good counter strikers, but uh, they're not as fast as MVP, you know. Like, and that's kind of that's kind of what it. Uh, what I kind of felt out there. Um, I did a good job of not uh, not getting clipped hard. You know, I kind of saw things coming, had high guard, and so. But the guys at Sanford have helped me get this. You know, They're the reason I'm here. That whole coaching staff from Kami Barzini, Jason Strout, Robbie Lawler, Henry Hoof, Greg Jones, all those guys helped me get this.
3: Yeah. Um, sort of another question, obviously, online, there's a lot of criticism about your style of fighting. Uh, some people call it lay and pray. Some people uh, have described it as maybe a little bit boring, especially after last weekend's uh, UFC bout between college bars and Rose Amuse, maybe a little bit of mm-hmm. people getting a bit tentative about uh, how they describe fights. And, uh, yeah, who, slower people,
5: f- people Twitter, yeah, people on Twitter, people on Instagram yeah. that have never been in there. You know, thank you for watching. I appreciate those people. But you, you haven't felt it until you feel it. Um, you know, you don't, you, people don't know how to react. Like, they've never been in that situation. So, you know, without the fans, we're nothing. And I get that, um, but when you have this much on the line, you have to find a way. Um, you know, the paper says what, what everything says is I'm world champ, and th- and you know I'm kind of sticking to that. Um, uh, you know, Bader's fight. You know, Bader's a good friend of mine. I know yeah, um, it wasn't the most exciting fight, but he found a way to win. And at the end of the day, you know, we get in the sport to win. You know, we want to be entertainers, but this is also a sport. And at the end of the day, you know, being champ and being a winner is important too. Yeah.
3: There were some questions about the scoring of the cards, um, and some people are saying that maybe MVP should get a rematch. Now you've came to London, you fought fought MVP's hometown. If you were to offer a rematch, would it have to be in your
5: hometown and under, circ- under your rules? I- I'm, I'm not interested in that right now. You know, right now it's uh, – I'm, I'm world champ, and we've got we to see what happens with Amasov, you know. Prayers to him. Um, I respect the hell out of him. We spent, you know, 15 minutes in there. Um, we both improved um, since then. Both became champ since then. So uh, right now, I'm I'm not interested in MVP rematch. Uh,
4: Logan, first of uh, congratulations. Obviously, you're 14 and one now, and now the interim champ. We're in a place at the minute where welterweight seems to be one of the most com- one of the most competitive divisions in Wow in every organization. How do you see yourself stacking up against some of the welterweights in other divisions, say in PFL and the UFC?
5: Um, yeah, you know, uh, I train at Sanford MMA. So I spent a lot of time with Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns. Um, God, who else is? The guys that fought for the belt. Usman's been there a long time. Mike Chandler's .5 at lightweight. Um, Robbie Lawler's a former champ. So, you know, Ian Gary's there, all these guys, you know, Delano Taylor, Jason, all these guys from different divisions, um, Shavkov's there, um, so we have a lot of guys, and listen, there's a reason why I have confidence when I go out and and fight, and it's because I compete with guys like that, so I know where I'm at, and um, that's why I have confidence walking into my fights. And if... Dream match
4: potential. Someone outside of Bellator, if you had to pick one match that you'd want to have next anywhere in the world, who would you want to have?
5: Uh, Chamaev. Everyone talks about his wrestling. Um, And listen, I I said it before. I helped Gilbert get ready for that fight. Um, You know, there's different levels to wrestling, and I I didn't see a lot of Chumayev's um international highlights or what he did at the highest level i haven't seen that now granted i know he's a hell of a wrestler in the cage but look what gilbert did so um yeah that would be fun for me
4: yeah good evening it's kieran rye um my question to you now you know you've accomplished something great now just a generic question what's your plans to celebrate and also you know you're in london you know one of the greatest cities in the world uh what's your plans for the next couple of days and maybe even tonight
5: Uh, You know, I have some friends um, that have been with me through the whole ride, a former college teammate, a good buddy of mine, um, and I got my family here. So I'm going to enjoy this. Um, We're going to hang out. I haven't got to see much of the city. Uh, I got here Sunday. This is a business trip. You know, when you come to, when you go to a certain city Sunday, you know, I got here Sunday through now, it's been strictly business. So I haven't really seen much. But uh, I'm excited to go home, excited to see all my friends and family back home that have supported me. And uh, just get back to the United States. Thanks. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, obviously you and Amisov have history. You know, if and when you know that does go down in in the future, how do you see that going down again? <clears throat> um, you know, I he's obviously made improvements. We saw what he did to Lima. Um, we saw what I did to MVP. Uh, but I, I, I've had, I think. That fight taught me a lot, and that Neiman Gracie fight taught me a lot, and just it's bigger moments, right? It's each each fight is stepping up to a bigger moment, a bigger stage, and I've grown a lot. My hands have come a long ways, uh, not burning myself out in some of those situations. Um, So I'm really just growing up as a fighter, you know. And so these last two fights have really I've really experienced that out there. I felt it. Um, this was a quick turnaround, you know, I only had three weeks off and then right back in here, but I felt, uh, I felt at home in there, um, and, you know, fight week for a lot of guys, when you take six, the crazy thing I always say is, we look at every other sport, those guys are competing two to three times a week, right, I guess, you know, the NFL, it's one time a week, but they're competing baseball, soccer, football, they're competing, you know, hundreds of times over their career, Whereas fighting, we might only fight once or twice a year, and we're trying to become the best in the world. Well, it takes all that experience. Like, walking to the cage is a crazy thing, you know. That, that, I don't think anything else is that same experience, you know. Um, so I think going back-to-back quick really let me feel comfortable in there and have that confidence. And with him, obviously, being unable to compete, who do you see uh, yourself defending the interim title against next and why? Um, I think uh, Jason Jackson, you know, teammate of mine, and Lima. Are, I think they're going to fight. So that's number two and three. Um, I don't really know who else. You know where, where everyone else is at. Obviously, um, we'll have Bellator figure that out. The matchmakers, um, Coker, and they'll we'll go from there. You know, right now I'm going to enjoy this, and I'm going to take a little time off. Congrats. Thanks.
0: Just one, I wanted to just circle back on something you mentioned earlier about your, about your wrestling career. And you said you sort of just came up a little bit short in your wrestling career. You carry your wins and losses with you throughout your athletic career. You're standing there with a championship belt over your shoulder. What's the emotion running through you right now, having seen the course, gone all the way through, all the wins and losses you've had on the wrestling mat, coming through Bellator, you're standing there with a championship belt over your shoulder. What's the emotion going through your head right now?
5: Um, it's kind of crazy because when you first get into this sport... <laughs> you know, at I was 22, 23, you're fighting on regional, local shows, and you're not making any m- money, and you're kind of asking yourself, why am I doing this? I, you know, I love competing, I love fighting, but, you know, your friends are starting to get other jobs and, and move on with their lives, and you're kind of asking yourself, you know, what, really, what's the point of this? And then, you know, five or six years down the road from when I first started, it's for this right now, um, to be world champ um to be able to take care of you know me and myself my family um it paid off you know and but really for me it was to become the best in the world that's why I got into this was was solely to become the best in the world and um now I'm going to keep going and and I you know I I'm the best in the world right now and now it's to become you start looking at that pound for pound list and um to become one of the best ever. With a guy like Robbie Lawler in your ear all the time, who is a Hall of Famer and one of the best fighters of all time, you know, that's what you want to become.
0: All right, so there you go. The new interim Bellator World Champion, Logan Storley. I felt kind of bad. I'll be honest, I felt kind of bad. Like first, I congratulated him on his win, but then hit him with a, your boss thinks you lost question, which is, is, is pretty harsh. You know, he's just achieved his, his lifelong dream of becoming a world champion. And uh, the first media member goes and asks him a bit of a dick question like that. But it, I felt like it had to be asked. So uh, apologies to, uh, to anyone who thought I was a little bit harsh. I probably agree with you. But sometimes as a journalist, you have to ask the uncomfortable questions. And that was the question that was hanging in the air. So uh, I thought, get it out of the way. And I was sure to make sure that I had the mic for the end of the, end of the, uh, the scrum to, uh, to ask him a positive question about about his overall emotion and the fact that he's, he's achieved an ambition and all the rest of it. So, yeah, kudos and credit to Logan Storley. He He's a classy individual um, and uh, a top-class operator. Let's not forget, his only career loss came to Yaroslav Amosov via split decision in a fight that, I'll be honest with you, I think he might have won. So he could we- easily be undefeated right now. And uh, cross your fingers and uh, send your prayers out to Yaroslav Amosov, uh, who is back home in Ukraine. Fingers crossed and everything else that he and his family are okay, they're safe, and that this whole situation out there can be can be de-escalated as quickly as possible, and that Yaroslav can come back and compete again, because Amosov versus Storley, the rematch, I think is the, you know, the best fight they can make. Sounds like Jason Jackson might be a, a possibility. Storley himself was floating that idea, and their teammates at Sanford MMA but they both know the score, so yeah, interesting to see what happens. Who knows, MVP could be in for a rematch. Storley does not want that rematch. He's not interested, he told us, but I think Scott Coker might be. So, and at the end of the day, Scott Coker uh, books the fights, designs the checks, effectively, along with his matchmaking team. So we will see what happens, but that welterweight division, uh, plenty of intrigue, and uh, we will see what happens next, both for Logan Storley and for Michael Venom Page. That was obviously the main event. And in terms of excitement level of the fight, it, wasn't, it didn't really deliver the same amount of excitement as we saw earlier on, 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 the, uh, on the main card. The prelims were a little bit up and down. Great fight on the prelims between uh, Tim Wilde and Alfie Davis. Absolutely brilliant fight between them. It went to a majority draw. And the reason it was scored a majority draw um, is because Tim Wilde was deducted a point for... Uh, an alleged cage grab um, it was slightly out of my line of sight as it happened as it as, as the fight was sort of stopped and the ref issued the point deduction it was clear what he was giving the, the, giving the point deduction for but I couldn't see the, the actual alleged grab itself he was insistent to the ref that he had a flat palm um, and I know that there were people uh, who have tweeted since suggesting that it was not a cage grab so that being the case, Tim Wilde will feel very aggrieved by that. But one thing that, that did come out of that, that was a hell of a fight. It was a great fight. Probably the most the, the best fight of the night in terms of uh, the most well-matched, most competitive, uh, exciting fight between two well-matched opponents. Um, I would certainly not hate a rematch in that circumstance. Um, Alfie Davis landed some some eye-catching stuff, as he does. Uh, you know, the axe... Ex- the axe man, he, he does that. So, um, it's, um, he's always interested and exciting to watch. And Tim Wilde has been kind of a, it almost seems unfair to say under the radar, because he, but he kind of is. He's been in this game for, for years and years, and he's a difficult out for absolutely anybody. Um, and he, he always, always delivers uh, exciting fights. He's a very, very difficult guy to get out of there. And, uh, you know, he doesn't always, get the, doesn't always get the shine that some of the other Brits get. But that was a great performance from him. And given that the way the scorecards panned out 29 27 to Davis, and then two scorecards of 28 28, what that tells you is it would have been a split decision victory for Tim Wilde but for that point deduction. So um, fingers crossed, Jude Samuel, the, uh, the European matchmaker for Bellator, and Scott Coker. Um, can get that one rebooked, and uh, maybe we see that a little bit later this year. Who knows? Maybe in Dublin in September. Wouldn't that be a good addition to that card, uh, which is already starting to fill up very nicely? Little side note: speaking of Dublin, uh, we were joined on press row by a familiar face to uh, fans of Bellator's European matchups, and particularly for fans of Irish MMA, the showstopper Peter Queeley was uh, was dressed up to the nines and uh working as media on fight night which was great uh, i had a little chat with him and uh, he was doing some stuff with the bbc some on-camera stuff and i caught him on the way out of the arena as well and asked him how he thought it went he thoroughly enjoyed himself so um yeah i'm looking forward to getting uh getting the broadcast um getting the broadcast up at some point over the next week or so just to see see how that all came together and uh he's always great to chat to peter queely he's uh very uh, very articulate and erudite and uh, I'm sure he did a fantastic job and who knows maybe we'll see him get a little bit more uh, analyst slash pundit work when he's not actually in the cage fighting but uh, we all like to see the showstopper in there throwing hands and uh, looking forward to seeing his next, his next outing inside the Bellator cage but yeah nice little side note to see uh, see the showstopper on press row crossed over to the dark side as I, t- as I told him but um, yeah main card Mankar was a banger. Simon Biong defeating Luke Trainer. Luke Trainer is still very, very raw, very green, very young in the sport. Um, he's got such an infectious personality. He's overwhelmingly positive in his attitude. And also, he does it with a, a complete air of respect for everybody he's dealing with from his opponent to the media to the people around him to the Bellator staffers. I don't, I, I, you'll, you'll do well to find anybody who's got a negative thing to say about the gent. Luke Trainer, because that's exactly what he is a gent but he was in there with the EFC former EFC light heavyweight champion Simon Biong and uh, that was that was a war that was a war I think I tweeted uh, two words to describe this fight bloody war and because it was bloody and it was a war and it ended up being uh, a victory on the scorecards for Simon Biong uh, gave a great post-fight speech in the cage and credit to the, uh, the London fans even though their guy lost uh, they gave Beyong plenty, uh, plenty of, plenty of, plenty of respects and plenty of uh, applause and cheers at the end of that fight because it was a, it was a good fight, hard hard fight, and uh, that might be the undefeated record gone for Luke Trainer, but arguably that might be one of the most valuable outings of his career so far. He will have learned so much from that fight. Um, to think that at his age, at his level of experience, to be kicking off a main card on a Bellator pay per view. Um, that's, that's quite something in and of itself but his performance last time out uh, against Yannick Bahati earned him that opportunity and the one thing about it he may have, he may have lost out I think if he, uh, if he had a few opportunities to finish off a rear naked choke in that first round and he just could not get it locked up um, maybe with a bit more seasoning he would, have, he would have finished that fight in the first round and I'm sure he's probably kicking himself thinking back to that moment in particular because uh, he looked like he had that fight. If not in the bag, uh, it was next to the bag. It was right there. So uh, he'll look back, and I'm sure he will be working relentlessly to uh, to keep developing his skills. And make no mistake, he'll be back. That was a and and the one you know the one overwhelming positive to take from Luke Train's performance. You know, even when it became pretty clear that the fight was slipping away from him, at no point did the man give up. Absolutely no point did the man give up. He kept on going, kept swinging for the fences, kept throwing hard, and uh, you know he knew at the end that he was on the he was on the wrong end of it, and uh, paid paid all due respect to his opponent. So um, you know respect to respect to Luke trainer Congrats to Simon Biong, who uh, now wants to move up the ranks at 205 pounds, and it's a stacked division in Bellator, the 205 division. So. No shortage of decent matchups for him. Looking forward to seeing who he gets next. That was the opening main card bout. Uh, then, for me, the moment of Bellator 281. Paul Semtex Daly's final fight as a professional mixed martial artist. His 64th career fight. That is insane. And in his 64th career fight, he scored his 35th career knockout as he finished Wendell Giacomo in stunning, stunning fashion in the second round. And to be honest with you, watching the fight unfold, things were not going according to plan for Paul Semtex Daly. Giacomo was proving tricky. He was proving kind of tricky on the feet. And then he would take the fight to the mat and his jiu-jitsu kind of took over and Daly was in full-on defensive mode, just trying to fend him off, making sure that he didn't go out on a submission loss. But as the fight panned, that sort of carried on and he got to the midway point of the second round as Daly explained to us backstage he could feel Giacomo starting to tire he could, he could hear him breathing more heavily he saw the opportunity reverse position uh, Giacomo got the um, the uh, butterfly guard in and pushed him away and that was the worst thing he could have done because he put Daly out in the open against the grounded opponent Daly then moved in as Giacomo went to sit up Pow. The old Semtex power came back with a vengeance and he did not relent. Absolutely let unleashed hell on Wendell Giacomo who, to his credit, managed to get to his feet only to be sent crashing down to the canvas headfirst after an absolute... I mean, the first shot that really hurt him was a left hook to the body. Um, I was telling Gorgeous Georgian goes on the United Nations podcast this week that Paul Daly's left hook is one of the one of the all-time great shots in MMA, in my opinion. His left hook is one of the best there is. And he absolutely ripped him to the body. And then he came over the top with a big right hand. And that was it. Game over. And the whole of Wembley Arena just exploded. The whole of Wembley Arena exploded. Everyone was out on their feet. Um, Derek Chisora, heavyweight British boxer, world title challenger, sitting immediately in front of me. Uh, he was up in front of me dancing around Peter Queeley was on his feet mouth wide open in amazement the whole the whole scene was absolutely crazy what a way for Paul Semtex Daly a real pioneer of mixed martial arts in this country what a way for him to, to close out his career I actually saw Brad Pickett um, he'd cornered Rob Whiteford earlier in the night and um, I managed to grab a word with, with Brad just between fights and we talked about that, that fight and Brad sort of joked you know that's the way you retire. That's, that's how you do a retirement fight, not the way that he did it. Because Brad was going hell for leather to try and get a finish in a fight that he pretty much had wrapped up on the scorecards against Marlon Vera in London um, a few years back. And uh, Marlon Vera hit him with a head kick, knocked him out. And uh, Brad went out in the most heartbreaking fashion in what was his retirement fight. Paul Daly went out in just the perfect fashion you know he was, it was a fight he was losing he turned it on his head and bang wins the fight spectacular spectacular knockout unbelievable performance from Paul Semtex Daly um, Scott Coker doesn't think he's fully retired I'm sure you've probably heard that from the from the scrum from Coker that I mentioned uh, I played a little bit earlier in the show but yeah if that is the end of Paul Semtex Daly's career that is the perfect way to go out absolutely the perfect way to go out and uh, we caught a word with him backstage after that final fight. Uh, he was struggling with, uh, with a bit of a cough. Um, he always tends to get this at the end of his fights, apparently. He sort of struggles with the dryness of the throat and he was coughing away. But uh, he stuck at it and was able to uh, share a little bit of his, uh, his thoughts and emotion and reaction after his incredible finish at Bellator 281. Check it out.
1: What was that like? <laughs>
6: Well, it was, it was tough. We knew it was going to be tough. Um, I knew his punches weren't going to have much sting on him. That probably gave me a bit of confidence after the first round. Um, but his his ground game was stronger than we anticipated. But, you know, my c- corner, if you couldn't hear him on, on the mics around the cage, were very clear in uh, defending his offence. So <coughs> I felt pretty relaxed there. So,
1: yeah. And in terms of what that entrance was like, you said during the week it was going to be It was going to be emotional (laughs) for you. Just how emotional was that? We saw at the end how much it meant to you. What was that entrance like in comparison to any other entrance you've had in your career?
6: I would say it was different, but you lot, you know, whether it's underreported or what, I always get an amazing reception here in Wembley. Mm. What what a lot of you don't know is I've been fighting here in Wembley Arena for about 17 years, this very arena with Cade Rays, the UK promotion owners on Sky Sports. (coughs) So I have a very strong fan base in the local area, Um, so I expected and I got what I deserved in terms of reception.
1: How tough is it for yourself to walk away from the sport after going out with a trademark win like that? You're known for your knockout power, it couldn't have gone any better for you tonight?
6: Uh, It's easy because I've been preparing for it as such. Um, If there was something interesting on the horizon then maybe (coughs) I could get rid of this cough, then maybe uh, (laughs) there'd be something that we could talk about but there's nothing there for me, you know, I've just knocked out this guy. <laughs> I've done it countless times before and uh,
1: yeah, man, just going to kick back on a beach somewhere and sit my ties. You're one of the most beloved fighters uh, this country has seen. Uh, just in terms of how much love you've felt since you announced that this was going to be a retirement fight and how much love you've felt from the fans <laughs> all the way through y- your career with the ups and downs, what, what uh, was it meant to you?
6: Have to cut this short, my voice is fucked know it's from. But yeah, the, <coughs> the loyalty has always been undeniable for me. Like I said, in the post fight, I've been at the very high of the sport and I've been all the way at the bottom. <coughs> and the fans have never left me, sir. So.
1: If you had to select a, an all time favourite moment from your career that you would say you're the proudest of, just upon reflection now, what, what would you select?
6: <coughs> it could possibly be this very night right here, to be to be honest with you, yeah. It was quite special. Give me a horse or some shit. don't oh, any fucking mints or something.
3: <coughs> you
6: always get it after do don't you? Remember it after? It's called cardiac bron- bronchitis or some shit yeah, yeah. like yeah. that. Oh, is it, <coughs> it was looking
0: like a really tricky one in this first two rounds. I mean, you had to spend a lot of time on your back. Um... How? What was going through your mind at the time Particularly just before you managed to explode out And get the finish What was going through your mind You knew obviously retirement fight Things weren't going your way on the ground Talk us through the thought process They weren't going my way
6: But they wasn't going his way Because he wanted to choke me out Didn't he He wanted to get the submission in (coughs) And he didn't Uh, My corner was very clear I was was comfortable I could hear him breathing heavily Just as heavy as I was So I knew we were both getting tired I knew after the first round I was standing, he was sat down, getting his arm shake shook out. So I knew I, <clears throat> I knew I had the beating of him kind of at, at that point in time. Um, he got the second takedown, <coughs> and as he began to tire, I just knew that when I get out, I'm just gonna smash your face in. So
4: that was it. Uh, what a fantastic way to go out a, a pool daily way to go out should We say? Uh, we spoke <coughs> on Wednesday evening and We talked about the Mark Weir, uh, TKO win uh, Cage yeah. rage and then we end it here At Wembley Arena, coincidentally the same again it Was this the perfect way to go out on a pool daily way?
6: Uh, it was definitely Special uh, Yeah it was special <coughs> Was
2: that your mum in the cage at the end there? Yeah that
6: was my mum and the missus How
2: Um, how nice is it to kind of share that moment with with your mum as well?
6: I always envisioned it when I retired, you know, because I'm quite a personal person. I keep my family separate from business as such. Um, But I knew she would love to be on BBC, so (laughs) I took her up.
5: Do you see yourself uh, being still in MMA in some kind of capacity? Even Not really. I've got I've t-
6: got Jimmy Norton I teach kickboxing. Don't really teach MMA main classes. We've got Brazilian Jiu Jitsu there, but I always said that was the fault of many great athletes. They try and hang around the sport for too long, whether it be commentary or sh- showing up at events, and that sort of gives you the urge to want to get back in there. So, <clears throat> like I said, my ties and beaches.
3: Yeah, Paul. Well, legends are word that gets thrown a lot around a lot <coughs> these days. But however, however, I think anyone in this room can agree that it definitely. It suits you very well down to the ground. Thank you very much. Um, you've been around this sport for a long time. Uh, in the East Midlands, you're a legend. You go into any kickboxing gym in the, in the East Midlands, not Derby, Nottingham, Leicester, wherever. Kids want to say they look up to you. I'm sure a lot of these guys have been following your career since you were probably in primary school. What's it like knowing that you've had that impact on the sport in this country? It's quite special because I, I still am quite young in, the, young in the mind,
6: you know. So um, I was at the, the gym the other day and one of my students was like, Oh, coach, why are you retiring? I said, I've been doing it for. 20 years I said how old are you she's 21 and that just hit her then she's like wow you know you've really been at this for a long time so yeah it's quite special to have that recognition but I don't shout out for it a lot I just I just do what I love or I've done what I loved and just been good at it
4: yeah Paul Kieran right here <coughs> uh, my question to you you know you talk about Nottingham uh, Nottingham's a, a great city and yep. it's got great new talent. Uh, what advice would you give to young people that do follow you? I know, I know the same question that he also asked, but what <coughs> advice would you give to young people that want to follow your footsteps?
6: I've got loads of advice, but the, this, I always say the simplest is just to be yourself. And if you, if you believe in yourself and you're true to yourself, I know it's a bit corny, but regardless of what anybody else is saying or doing around you, then you're going to do pretty well.
0: Paul, that was knockout number 35 of your career, in your MMA career at least. Yeah. Where, do you fi- where do you feel that ranks in terms of your favourite knockouts?
6: I have to see it back again. I know I was just hitting him a lot of times and I broke my hand or some shit. So I did say that the way he had a big head, so I knew it was going to be difficult to get him out of there. But, yeah, I hit him a lot of times. I think the finish was pretty good. The way he fell, I felt, was quite one of the more dramatic finishes that I had, so I have to look back at it. But yeah, I
3: have to watch it again. I'm sure it was they were one of the best of them. Yeah, Paul, just one more from me. Uh, obviously, retirement is one of these things where in MMA we see a lot of guys come back. They come back to the sport either in a um, commentary pro- commentary profession or they come back and have a run. We're seeing guys like Jim Warhead. He's come back. He's just signed with Cage Warriors. He's got a fight agreed. Uh, Dan Hardy. He's going back to boxing. I mean, is there any chance that we might? You know, if the right offer was on the table, say, I don't know, rematch MVP Nottingham belt came through that offer on the table for the belt for seven figures
6: then, yeah, but obviously I, w- I would do that. Um, and that's something I thought they might try and throw a swerve ball in, but like I say, it has to be ridiculous money at a ridiculous venue. Um, I don't know how, the ch- how long the, the real champ's going to be out for, but that's one of the possible fights that I'd be interested in. But like I say, the money has to be ridiculous, and uh, the build-up has to be done properly and not done in New York when we're both from London or England. So, yeah. This is genuine no this is this is genuine, like I said um there are very few things that are going to pull me out of retirement um like a, one of the ones was that 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 fight that I mentioned in the, in the title and seven figures or whatever but apart from that, I'm quite content in what I've achieved um you know I'm not a wealthy guy, I won't consider myself rich, but I'm comfortable you know i'm not I'm not an idiot I've been smart with with what I've earned, and I've set myself up pretty nice, so I'm okay. Paul Semtex-Daily, ladies and gentlemen. What a boy. I mean, goodness
0: me. I mean, Brad Pickett told me that Semtex-Daily was knocking people out before Brad had ever had a professional fight. So that gives you an idea of the man's longevity. He is a bona fide legend on this side of the pond. One of the best fighters to come out of this country, without doubt. And uh, it's a shame that his UFC run ended the way it did. Uh, We don't need to retread that topic. That's been discussed Uh, many, many, many times before and how other fighters who've done far, far worse in terms of their transgressions have been allowed to stay in the UFC and thrive in the UFC. Daly got kicked to the curb just, you know, unceremoniously. But his career since has been absolutely superb. Um, And uh, yeah, if this is the end for Paul Semtex Daly, that's a good way to go out. Congratulations and uh, all the best for his retirement. That's a tough act to follow. That is a tough act to follow. But Kena Watanabe followed it, and uh, she put on a great performance. It was a good back-and-forth uh, matchup with uh, Denise Kielholtz, former women's flyweight title challenger. And Kielholtz looked like she was going... She had a, a decent chance of a submission in that fight. Watanabe managed to fight her way through, and she got the victory via triangle choke. Uh, I think it's triangle choke to... Um, to get a really important win, she's right in the championship mix now at 125 pounds. Make no mistake, Liz Carmouche is looking for fresh new contenders uh, rather than just rematching Juliana Velasquez. Kana you know, Watson, army might just have put her name in the mix. Who knows? But that was a good performance uh, from from the Japanese contender. Uh, that then led on to the co-main event of the evening and a fight that I described. Uh, to my dad on WhatsApp as a fight that will either produce an unbelievable knockout, or it could be 15 minutes of shadow boxing because both of these guys, Fabian Edwards and Leota Machida, are counter strikers in the main, and they tend to fight off the back foot. They like to they like to uh, react to their opponent and uh, strike off their opponent's strikes. So the onus was really on one of them to uh, to be the aggressor in the fight, and I. Th- Leading in, I thought he needed to be Fabian Edwards. Fabian Edwards thought he needed to be Fabian Edwards as well, and that's exactly what he did. Um, he gave it a, a minute or two just to sort of suss out Machida's range, and uh, got himself into a position where he could do some damage. They were in the clinch against the cage. As they broke from the clinch, big, big elbow off the uh, off, off the break from the assassin. Machida's legs start doing the uh, start doing the chicken dance. And then Fabian Edwards just swarmed him, landed some big shots, dropped into the canvas, and then separated the man from his consciousness with some absolutely vicious ground strikes. Biggest win of Fabian Edwards' career. He's such a talented fighter, and we haven't seen it. Uh, we haven't seen him really put it together under the Bellator banner. You know, it's we've seen flashes, but we've never seen him. Put it together into a really complete performance. That's exactly what he did on Friday against Leo Tomichida. Um, that's the that's the baseline for him now. That's that's the standard he set. And if he keeps to that standard, he's going to be a major, major, major problem at 185 pounds. Biggest win of his career, without doubt, without doubt. Huge win for Fabian Edwards. That then set up um, set the stage perfectly for the main event talked about that a little bit earlier on in the show Logan Storley getting the job done uh, over Michael Venom Page but yeah the sun is absolutely beating down here in London I can feel my head starting to burn um, I've been stood here that long recording this but as I say it's FA Cup final day here in London I'm about to, uh, I'm about to head down to Gatwick I'm off to Croatia for a week with work Um, and in a few weeks after that I'll be heading over with my good buddy Abby Saban to Las Vegas for UFC International Fight Week UFC 276 and uh, we'll try and we'll try and get a few bonus podcasts out over the course of that week and we'll see see if we can collar some uh, some A-list names to uh, to stick on the pod at some point I'll see who I can I'll see who I can I can sort of wrangle and, and and get on the show but Bellator 281 Was a good, good show. Fun show. Main event maybe didn't catch fire the way that we we had hoped. But we have a new world to weight champion. Interim world to weight champion. His name is Logan Storley. But based on what we heard after the fight. This is far from, this is far from settled. This is far from settled. I think MVP will be back. And I wouldn't be at all surprised. If he's fighting for a championship belt. Within the next. Eight to 12 months. Watch this space. Enjoy the, uh, the fights coming up the rest of this week if you, if you catch the pod early. If not, have a good week. And don't forget to subscribe, thebritpack.substack.com. Follow me on, on the socials, at Simon Head on Twitter, at Simon Head Sport on Instagram. And the show is at the Brit Pack MMA on Twitter as well. You can get the audio version of the podcast on all, the, all good podcasting platforms and a few bad ones as well but best way to get it, subscribe on the uh, britpack.substack.com and we will email you every time there is a show, whether it's an audio show like this one or whether it's a video show like the United Nations, which we do midweek uh, with gorgeous Georgian and Ghost from MMA Junkie Radio, a lot of fun doing that. So uh, yeah, have a good week everyone and uh, I'll catch up with you in a few days time.